the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. I'm your host, Carl Davis Jr., but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. We're located at 25 North 14th Street, downtown San Jose, or you can reach us via the web at blackchamber.com. My guest today is a very, very special person, Dr. Clarence B. Jones. He's a former personal counsel, advisor, and speechwriter for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I am so honored to have him on today. Dr. Jones, how are you doing? Fine, thank you, Carl. I'm pleased to be here. I, uh, I was listening to the description of your program, uh, Silicon Valley Business and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it caused me to immediately reflect that uh, you know, I'm I'm 88, soon to be 89 in four months. <laughs> the uh, only child of uh, a living domestic household servant. Mm. My my um, my my I, I, uh, my parents didn't have a a home of their own when I was born in 1931. Mm-hmm. So I lived with them in the servants' quarters. Mm of the uh, place that they worked. Mm. Well, tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about your history as far as like where you were at and what schools or how you got to where you were and then how you met Dr. Martin Luther King. Well, first of all, I'm, first of all, um, um, I owe, I owe, I owe a lot to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but obviously I owe a lot to the foresight of my parents, who had an only child, and, uh, and my mother had a oh, about a seventh or eighth grade education, my father a fourth grade education, and uh, they had decided they decided that uh, I guess when I was about six, yeah, about six years old, uh, that they would place me in a uh, a boarding school for. That was run then by uh, um, uh, a Catholic uh, order, the uh, Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, it was a. It was a, They had a school for so-called indigent colored boys. That's the way it had on the school, 
and, uh, and Indians. That's because they had uh, missions in uh, Arizona and New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I went to this Catholic boarding school for colored boys from the time I was about six until, until uh, 14. And there were, uh, you know, there were uh, what we describe now as Native Americans, mm-hmm. young men also in the school. Um, it was the foresight mm. of my parents who wanted me to have something better than they had and wanted me to have an opportunity, opportunities that they did not have that placed me in this uh, boarding school. Uh, in summary, the years I spent there can be described as a, uh, uh, a commitment to the pursuit of excellence. The Irish, mostly Irish Catholic nuns, mm. they loved us unconditionally <laughs> and indifferent in so many ways. They let us know that uh, we were special. Mm that uh, Jesus loved us, they loved us, and we could be the best that we could be. Mm. Well, I'm so sure... That, uh, comparatively, mm-hmm. uh, when, I, uh, when I finished there, I went to a public high school. Mm-hmm. I had had such a superior education. Mm. Uh, not necessarily because I was smarter, but just because I was just better educated. Mm. Fast forward when I graduated in this uh, public high school in Palmyra, New, Palmyra, New Jersey. 70% white... Uh, 30% uh, African-American. I graduated as the uh, valedictorian of my class. Wow. wow. And, uh, and went on to get a, uh, an academic scholarship to go on to Columbia College, Columbia University. And that transformed uh, my life, that experience. And then, of course, every experience needs some touch of sombering, sobering, Mm. And sombering reality. <laughs> yeah. In my second or third, middle of my, beginning of my third year, my mother died, and that was uh, mm. very devastating to me. But in any event, I survived all that and uh, went on, went into the United States military near the end of the Korean War, then eventually went to law school, graduated law school, and uh, ended up uh, shortly after graduating from law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1960, I met this uh, Baptist preacher who had uh, his chief lawyer at the time, Judge Hubert Delaney, had called me up and asked if I would be uh, uh, take responsibility for, for preparing the legal research uh, in the defense of this case because he had uh, been indicted for tax evasion mm-hmm. and perjury and lying on his, uh, allegedly lying on his tax mm-hmm. return. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, he had, he, had, he had three other lawyers mm-hmm. in addition to Judge Hubert Delaney. But Judge Delaney believed that I should be the person responsible for coordinating the defense of the case in terms of preparing the legal resources anyway. As a consequence of that, wow. from um, February 1960 until April 4th, 1967, um, for seven and a half years, I ended up initially becoming a political advisor, then personal lawyer, and just speechwriter for the greatest person wow. in the 20th century. Wow. I didn't say, I did not say the greatest black person. Wow. I said the greatest person. 
Wow. Martin Luther King Jr. Now, I know this program is about business, so I, uh, you know, I had a period of time when I was, I um, was invited to uh, join a modest investment banking firm in 1966. I had received some degree of uh, notoriety and Mm -hmm. so forth. And so I was invited to come in as a partner. Mm Mm-hmm and a Wall Street investment banking firm called Carter Berlin and Weil. And uh, as a result of that, after having taken uh, the registered rep and, uh, you know, the uh, principal's examination, the New York Star Exchange examination, mm-hmm. I ended up being, ending up in 19, late 66, early 67, becoming the first African-American to become a partner in a Wall Street investment banking firm with the seat on the New York Stock Exchange. Wow. That is huge. And, and so um, uh, that uh, seven and a half years I spent there, seven or eight years I spent there, I got an insight into the uh, reality of capital. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I got an insight which had uh, that experience coupled with the experience I had with Martin Luther King Jr., uh, uh, indelibly uh, imprinted on my mind and psyche the um, the opinion. Uh, well, mm-hmm. opinion is not the correct word. Uh, mm-hmm. The ideological outlook mm-hmm. that power in America mm-hmm. power in America is essentially financial and economic power. And that power is dominated by white males. Mm. And that has substantially been and is the history of the United States of America. Mm. And so that anyone who is considering going into business, no matter what talents you may have, Mm -hmm. you must ground yourself in this understanding and information. You must ground yourself, uh, and paraphrasing the great abolitionist leader, Frederick Douglass, power can see nothing without it a man. And Mm. the only difference for African-Americans is that we have to have a superb uh, ability and qualifications to do it. Now, I came up in a generation where it was just commonly understood, notwithstanding all the schooling and all the help I got along the way, mm-hmm. that as a person with the dark skin complexion, mm-hmm. you understand, mm-hmm. who was black in this country, I had to be twice as good to get half as much. You understand? Yeah, you know I do. No, I understand. And when I started practicing law, I, my, my, you know, I had two, I had two brilliant uh, white law partners from Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. And we would sit down at our partner's meeting and they say, well, you know, clients, you have to understand 
as a, and this is in 1962, 63, law firm, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, because yeah. we're almost ready for our first half break, and that story is no so important. I want to get that fully on the second half because no this problem. isn't about just civil rights. This is about everybody's rights. You're listening right. to Silicon Valley Business Connections. This is Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr., brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. Now, back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. We're back. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connection. And today I have a very, very special guest, Dr. Clarence B. Jones. Now, Dr. Jones, besides being a speechwriter for Martin Luther King and his counsel, Dr. Jones is doing numerous things, even some things he'll do today we're going to talk about. But at the first half of the show, he was talking about something very, very important that I want him to continue his relationship with those two attorneys. That story, finish that story, Dr. Jones, if you don't mind. I was just talking about my two law partners, uh, brilliant two law partners. The firm was Lubell, Lubell, and Jones, John and Lubell, and David Lubell. They were both uh, um, uh, graduate of Harvard Law School, magna cum laude, uh, summa cum laude graduates of mm. Harvard Law School. And we were talking about... Uh, the fact is, as we were starting our firm, that um, uh, we, we recognized, at least with respect to me as an African-American in the firm, we were the first interracial law, law partnership in New York City. Is that We said, well, you know, the white man's ice is colder in the white. It's colder in the winter time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Is that, uh, is that here you would have three lawyers whose credentials and capabilities are as good as anybody or better than most. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, we, we recognize Anyway, the reality is for the listeners today is that um, uh, I, I want uh, persons who are in Silicon Valley and who are very uh, uh, capable in d- d- developing their skill sets is, yes, to uh, be the very best that you can be to commit yourself to the pursuit of excellence. Mm-hmm. But to do that within the reality of the real world. Now, I am not uh, one of these people that goes around and says, well, you know, uh, the, you know, the, you can't do anything because, you, you know, the, the whole world's against you because you're black. No, no, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just saying something a little more nuanced. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that be the very best that you can be, but do it within the recognition of, of reality mm-hmm. that exists in 2019. And it, and it appears to be changing significantly in some respects. But fundamentally, mm-hmm. when you're talking about business, and you're talking about business opportunity, mm-hmm. and you're, an, an, uh, you're uh, an up-and-coming African-American entrepreneur or professional, you have to understand the reality of the environment you're working in is that an environment that is controlled by white male economic power. Now, mm-hmm. is that my way of saying, is that a racist thing to say? No. Is two plus two racist? <laughs> 
simply a matter of fact. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see that. So that that only that only should inspire uh, uh, those of my listeners to be the best that you can be, but but don't have any illusions. Mm-hmm. Be realistic, and therefore, um, until it substantially changes. Mm-hmm. And still, what what I have uh, premised as a uh, thesis substantially mm-hmm. is, is changes otherwise, then you must guide yourself accordingly. And so, what does that mean practically? Mm-hmm. What does that mean practically? It means that uh, I have no other way, blunt way of putting it. <laughs> you got to be. You just got to. If somebody else knows a little bit about. Uh, um, 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 Algorithm and so forth. Somebody knows something. You got to be. You got to know more. Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and we have and, to. Uh, and you can't. And you can't. And you can't shuck and jive mm-hmm. and put all. You know. You can't get over. You got to either know it or you don't know it. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, today it's about capability, competence, and knowledge. So can I say something and chime in then? Because, you know, in 2019, there's these terms called diversity and inclusion. And Mm -hmm. we've been teaching our youth that regardless of where you go, you're going to be in an environment where you're going to be have you're going to learn how to be a good communicator, a good team worker and an excellent leader. Even if you don't lead the group, you need to understand good leadership. What do you have to say about something like that, Dr. Jones? Well, I think I think it's important, you know, how leadership starts. Uh, leadership starts with a sense of self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leaders accepts with a uh, of self example. You uh, you can command others to want to follow you by setting an example of being the very best by by others around you clearly understanding that you are serious, mm-hmm. that you are about uh, attending to your job and doing it the best as anyone can do it. I want to I want to chime in. I want to try and I want to be sure. Go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah. No, no. What were you going to say, Dr. Jones? I just want to be sure. I don't want... Uh, this doesn't mean any, any degree of arrogance. Mm-hmm. Or any degree, no. On the other, uh, it's just conversely. There's a sense, if you know it and you have it, you are humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. If you have it, you, you are humble. You're humble. But can I point out an example that may encourage uh, our listeners to? You know, I've noticed a trend, and, and you see it now in the NBA where, you know, well, you know, really good, talented players like LeBron and now other people or taking shorter contracts, but they're sort of controlling their faith on who they want to go and play for. That's correct. And and so that's the wisdom that we're trying to tell our young people that they can decide their destiny. But in order to right. decide your destiny, you have to do like you do. You have to be better educated. You got to be as smart, if not sharper, than the next guy to you, regardless of what color or ethnicity he is. That right? is correct. That is correct. And that's that's because... Individually, individually, we don't make quote, the rules. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. We're, we're operating in a society that has a whole history to it, mm. and that history is so large and so big and so long that you can't change it in a day. But you have to adjust 
to its reality mm-hmm. in your day-to-day conduct of your business. Can I chime in on something, Dr. Jones, because I know we only got about four or five minutes. And and this thing about, you know, you actually lived through the civil rights movement. And in that movement, there was a huge thing. The, The goal was like making sure that we had the right to vote. And the power of the vote. And and I just feel like today, you know, like young people don't see that because they didn't experience that. The power and the right to vote to work within the system, to change the system. You're getting mm -hmm. right. What is the what is what is voting? Mm -hmm. Voting is power. Yes. Voting is power. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. You can you can jump up and down, carry all the placards you want. (laughs) <laughs> and have all whatever you want to say and carry wear whatever t-shirts you want but if you don't vote it doesn't mean a damn thing because mm. voting is power mm. man that's a that's huge I'm going to say you what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, wearing you, a t-shirt you know carrying I do. a placard yeah. wearing a t-shirt carrying a placard wearing this and so forth that's fine but yeah. at the end of the day yeah. You you can talk about well I don't like this you can call the you can call the man ten thousand mf you want <laughs> doesn't make a difference you understand what I'm saying uh-huh. <laughs> what what that's you what exercise happen- your power educate yourself be the best that you can be and vote well I'm I'm going to say something about that because we only got a few minutes left one of the things that came to my office is after every census there's something called the redistricting of these political sort of districts in California and it's in every state. And right now I I put it in our newsletter and I signed up. If we want to be a part of the redistricting, which is almost jockeying, you know, who's going to get elected to where we need to play a part in that. And so I want to, I want to send that out to everybody. Dr. Jones is concurring. We got to stand up. uh, Mm -hmm. I want you to know that one of the lasting impacts that Dr. King had on me was, uh, and I've been through many, political, personal changes in my life is I'm committed, I still remain committed to nonviolence, and that's why I'm so mm-hmm. proud to be the director yes. of the University of San Francisco's yes. institute, this new institute for nonviolence and social justice. You can go online and just go www.institutefornonviolenceandsocialjustice, and you can see it, because that's, that's what we're about. This is, a, this is a tribute to the legacy of Martin Luther King, Jr., Wow. And, uh, and, and all of us who work so hard. Well, you know, I want you to say that again. That How can people get to that again, that site? It's www.what? www. Uh, please, I hope I have it right. But you go on, you, you go on the, uh, you go on the University of San Francisco. Okay. Institute for Nonviolence and Social Justice. You'll, you'll see. You'll find it. You know, I'm going to I'm going to wrap us up by saying that uh, we've enjoyed uh, Dr. Jones being on our show today, and this show, uh, after it's done, it becomes a podcast, so people can come and listen to this show at their leisure anytime they want. They just have to go to blackchamber.com. We're out of time right now, but we want to thank our guest, Dr. Clarence B. I Jones. I want to thank you, Carl. Oh, Clarence. For, for, for doing these, these shows. It's a really uh, important contribution to giving our young people particularly hope and a sense of opportunity. We're out of time, but we want to thank our guest today, Dr. Clarence B. Jones. The things that Dr. Jones has shared today that I thought I'm taking away is reality of capital, the pursuit of excellence, and the sense of self. 
You can hear this show again via podcast from our website at blackchamber.com. So until next week, you're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected. Silicon Valley Business Connections.